guys welcome back to revive school here our brand new week uh, continuing on in the study of proverbs and i gotta tell you this whole proverbs thing it's hard you know i was thinking back to leviticus and numbers and even uh you know guys what's some other hard books oh job (laughs) proverbs is right up there with me like for me what proverbs is is this these are golden nuggets that solomon writes that everything you want to just soak up and cherish. But the reality is, is like, hey, here's an example. Proverbs 15 today. It's got 33 verses and basically it's 33 sermons. So either we're going to give you 33 sermons or I'm going to hang out on a couple different areas. So this week, we're going to kind of start doing that a little bit more about hanging out specifically in some areas. Like today, I anticipate us talking a little bit more about uh, your talk, your tongue, which we've already done in some regards, but then also parenting. And you're like, well, I'm not a parent. It's okay. You have parents or you did have parents. (laughs) It all still applies. So anyway, this is where we're at with uh, Revive School. We're plowing through Proverbs. And I I love this. Kevin, tell me this image. This image to this, the the older hands to the younger hands. When you think about Proverbs, why is that significant? It's the father instructing the son. Yeah, and that's really what this is. This is their wisdom nuggets of like, I want to pass this down to you. Please take this truth and now you pass this down to somebody else. And that's where we're going to go in Proverbs specifically 15 today, verse one. It says this, a gentle answer turns away anger. I mean, uh, you know, if, if, uh, let's just say Kevin, you fired me up today. You got me all mad, you know, like, let's just say all five markers don't work. And I'll be like, Kevin, why don't my five markers work? Like that doesn't work. It just, in fact, it says a harsh word stirs up wrath. I was trying to think about how can we do this? Just to give you an example. I want my markers to work. <laughs> like that doesn't work. Kevin, I really appreciate that you've given me five markers that don't work. Do you think you give me some new ones, Kevin? Like, see, that works. It, they actually work. Well, I don't know. We'll find out in a little bit here. But my point is this. A gentle answer turns away anger. But if you give a harsh word, all it does is it just stirs up the hornet's nest. And it creates more and more anger. And so here's the key. Here's the key. It's not what, and I love what uh, Nelson's commentary says. It's not what we say, but it's the way we say it. So if my tone is a little bit softer, uh, I might actually get a different response from Kevin. Kevin! <laughs> Somebody's going to email me. Why are you so hard on Kevin? I'm, there's nothing wrong. Kevin hasn't done anything wrong. This is called an act right now, okay? <laughs> A gentle answer. Now, I'm just saying that because has anybody ever given an answer? You're like, ah, I wish I didn't do that. Or why, why did I say that? You know, even in Abigail, Abigail gave gentle words to David when David was angry. How you respond makes a world of difference. And verse two, it continues with this theme. So we got two verses that work together. <laughs> Praise God. It says the tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive. Rich, you're a smart guy. How, what? It just means that wise people know how to respond uh, based on the individual that they're dealing with. And, and people want to connect with you because of that. Yeah. How you teach, how you interact, how you communicate. 
I want to know more. Like the tongue of the wise, it, it draws people to what you're saying. But then I love the second part of verse two, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. <laughs> what is wrong with me today? <laughs> like nobody, nobody is drawn to that. <laughs> There's a commentator, Kidner. He says, a wise man does not parade his knowledge, but a fool does. Like, you know, I love listening to my dad, Larry in Middlebury, who, uh, you know, he doesn't say when he talks, you want to listen. It might not be a ton. It might not be overwhelming. Maybe like my sister <laughs> or Tony Hicks. You know those people we love, but they talk sometimes a lot. I just know they're never going to listen to this. Uh, and then there's my dad who, when he doesn't talk much, but when he does, you're like, that's what I want. I really want that. I want that nugget. Or like, you know, sometimes my parents have been talking to my grandpa late at night. Uh, he lives in North Dakota. And just whenever my grandpa talks, you're like, I just, I love listening to him. I just love listening and soaking up. And so Proverbs, Warren Wiersbe does four things. And I think this is pretty simple about this, but Proverbs does four things. It teaches us about human speech. Speech is an awesome gift from God. And number two, speech can be used to do good. Now, on the flip side of human speech... Speech can, Kevin, where am I going to go with this, you think? Can be used what? Tear people down. Yeah, absolutely. Can be used to do evil. It goes either way. It's an awesome gift, so then it can be used for good or for evil. And then here's the reality of speech. I feel like this should be like an equal sign. Only God can help us use speech for good. Like, we know that it's an awesome gift. We know that I can speak life into somebody, but I also know it can tear somebody down. And, and because of, and we're going to get to this at the end of the week, talking about self-control, because it has to be a gift from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to give us, remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, the self-control part can truly only come from Him. And that's really what I want us to understand is that when we are dependent upon Him for what we say, this works. When you function in your flesh, it totally doesn't work. Now, I think as parents, uh, as adults, you get a little bit better at this just because of time, but by no means at all do we have this thing perfected. But I think some of us, you know, that have kids, you watch them begin to experience this speech power. Does that make sense? Like the speech power of, hey, I'm going to try this. Because think about this. Earlier on in the, in the years, in fact, I, I was talking to Ray Sturdivant on, on our leadership with Team Time to Revive yesterday. And, you know, we were trying to identify some, some root things in my life that have stayed a part of my life. That, like, how do you let go of these things, right? Root issues. Uh, core identity lies, you know, or another way of putting it. And it's interesting because because of this little section it's an awesome gift from God, but it can be used to do good or evil. When I walked onto a bus, okay, now picture me as a little six-year-old kid, big goggles. I just got them. Now, when I say goggles, I'm talking about glasses. Now, I probably had some cool little, do you guys know this? I used to have little cool logos on the side of my glasses. It's either Pac-Man or Mickey Mouse or Smurfs. I think my first one was I had Smurfs. Don't judge me. So I'm walking on the bus. I actually remember walking on the bus. I think my mom made me wear brown pants. I hated those brown pants, by the way. And they're corduroy. 
Who likes brown corduroy pants? I had nothing going well for me, okay? There were no girls saying, hey, I like that kid. So anyway, I had brown corduroy pants, big goggles. And I think I, 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 I don't know if this is even true or not, but I had a hee-haw yellow shirt. Do you guys remember hee-haw? I do. Brown corduroys, yellow hee-haw, and big goggles. And I walk in and I hear a kid go, <laughs> nice goggles, four eyes. Like I remember, I heard that. I just, and I remember thinking, huh, at least he didn't make fun of my pants. <laughs> you know, I'm just processing all this, but I'm telling you guys, this is the reality of life. Like, this is what we're talking about. Like, the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. That moment right there, when I got onto the bus in kindergarten, I don't care if, if you're like, well, that's nothing. I've had experience a whole lot worse. But my point is, is that you can't take it back. And I have actually, as weird as this sounds, I've held on to a spirit of rejection a long time in my life. Just based on what I was wearing and how I looked, walking onto a bus outside of my parents' house in Highland Drive. They don't live there anymore. And yet I walked on and it, that, that, that became a root in my life. And so I want to encourage you guys, like this whole thing called the tongue, like it radically, you guys, can impact somebody's life. Because you decide whether or not you want to make, it says the tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive. Is it drawing people to you because of who God is inside of you? Or are people like completely repulsed by, by your words? I remember you guys, I had to actually, it was probably about 10 years ago. Uh, I was currently living in Nashville and the Spirit of God started to prompt me. I used to make fun of a kid. <laughs> like I'm past it, I shouldn't laugh. But like, I, I had no filter. I mean, some of you are like, you still don't. <laughs> if you think this is bad, you should have seen me in elementary. Like, if I saw a kid at the school, I, I just told him what I thought. And then afterwards, I don't think it really bothered me. But in Nashville, my first year marriage with my wife, and then we moved to Dallas to go to seminary somewhere. The Spirit of God said, Kyle, you were wrong. I remember calling this kid. I had to track him down. He moved from, Georgia, uh, he moved from Chicago, then to Minneapolis. And I just said, hey, man, I don't even know if you remember. Yeah, of course. We like, we're close friends. And uh, I just said, I want to apologize for the things that I called you. And I remember the names that I called him. And he's like, man, I've, I've totally moved on. Uh, maybe he had. I needed that release because I knew the things that I have said. Guys, let's, let's play the Kevin Tom Rich game. Have you guys ever said anything? You're like, yeah, I, I probably should take that back. You ever felt bad about something in regards to the tongue or somebody said something to you guys? Any thoughts? I think it's just an everyday struggle of tone. And I mean, it's not always what you say. It's for me, it's I struggle with tone. Sometimes it comes out harsher than it should be. So even with my family, I should line up my kids. They'd be like, hey, dad, why are you even teaching on this? You know, like, you need help, Dad, right? I mean, then I'd be like, you need a filter. See, we all have issues. Rich, you got anything? Yeah, sure, I've said things in, uh, in a tone that I shouldn't have said it in. Or um, sometimes, just because naturally being from New York, it comes out really sharp. And I thought, every once in a while, I'll catch myself, and I'm like, oh, that's not how I meant it to be. But that's probably how it, they took that. So, Yeah, we're all there. Now, let's go to the, the quiet guy behind the camera. Just because he's quiet doesn't mean... He doesn't say anything he shouldn't. Tom, is this true? Oh, it's very true. Uh, yeah, I remember 
in the army, there was one guy that we rode hard because I don't know. He was <laughs> that was my personality back then. He didn't fit in. He was a little bit different, and so yeah, blasted him a couple times. But uh, now it's you know, like you said, with kids on how the sixth time you ask them to go brush your teeth, when you ask on the seventh time, it comes out a little bit hotter, and then you can just see the look in their face. The look in their face, though, that you hurt them, so then you apologize. But that's good. And if you've thrown the toothbrush at their head, you've gone too far. <laughs> or you start brushing for them. Like, you know, we'll get to self-control later on in the week. This is going to be a great week. Really excited. Mm. Anyway, let's keep going in verse 3. Cause it, it builds, and you guys, into verse 4 as well. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Now think about this. Observing the wicked and the good. We have just got done talking about how, like, a gentle answer turns away anger. A tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive. God is looking for how you use your tongue. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. Like God is constantly, can I just say this, watching. That's all he's doing. Like he's watching. Hey, I wonder how my people are going to do today. Hey, I wonder how the righteous are going to do today. And what is he doing? Like as weird as this sounds, this image of God just sitting back watching, according to this verse, that's what he's doing. He's watching. Hey, I, I wonder how Kyle, hey, let's hit a hot button of Kyle today. Yeah, let's let's try that. Let's send in somebody that's super annoying, that doesn't care anything about anybody else and wants to absorb all of the time in the world. Let's just see how he responds. It's going to be good. Watch, angels, watch, watch. Jesus, here we go. Like, I don't think he's trying to set us up. But I do think it's a test in the sense of, hang on here when I say that, like, are we going to reflect him? Will we reflect Christ in all of the situations, in what we say and in what we we do, and just to give you an idea of this image of God watching, like you can have two different ways of thinking about that. Man, that's creepy. I don't want God watching me doing everything. Or you can be like, praise God, he is watching. I'd rather take the second angle. Kevin, can you go to Second Chronicles 16, verse 9? Just, I, I just want to show you a couple illustrations of, of 15, verse 3 coming to fruition. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9 has this image of the eyes, the eyes of the Lord uh, the scripture talks about this. Uh, for the eyes of Yahweh roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. You, you think about this image, you guys. What is he looking for? He's looking for sold out people. Your hearts are sold out. Kevin, isn't there a verse that talks about what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's looking for your heart because he knows what it says in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And so if you say something stupid, it's probably because it's in your heart. Guilty. I think all of us are guilty in that mentality. Like, that, that's me. And you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. You're like, well, actually I did. It was in my heart. That's why it came out. That doesn't make it right. But the eyes of Yahweh are roaming to look for people whose hearts are completely sold out. Because if your heart is completely sold out, guess what? You will begin to use speech as an awesome gift from God. First Samuel 16, verse 7. First Samuel 16, verse 7. Again, this is the, the, the same imagery that we're going to see, but the Lord said to Samuel, look at this. Do not look at the appearance or his stature because I've rejected him. Man doesn't see what the Lord sees for man sees what is visible, but look at this. But the Lord sees the heart. So what if I have four eyes, brown corduroy pants and a yellow hee-haw shirt? I thought that was cool back then, by the way. 
Don't judge people on the outside. The Lord's going to look at your heart because what's in the heart, you guys, is what's released out of the mouth. I have no problem telling you this is an area I have to work on in my life. Kevin, thanks. You found this verse. Luke 6, verse 45. A good man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart. An evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So let me just say this. If you're having fellowship with Jesus, if you're having an intimate relationship with the Lord, that will be evident. That will come out of your mouth. That will come out of your desire. And so (laughs) it's probably one of my biggest frustrations. If this is really the case, then why are we not talking about the gospel? It's an area that I see in Scripture. A good man produces good out of the good storeroom of, a heart, of his heart. If, if the gospel is really in your heart and you really believe that Christ has changed your life, I don't understand why you wouldn't talk about it. And the only thing I can conclude is I want to know how much is in our heart. Is it real? Do you really want to have a relationship with Christ? Do you really want to interact with Him? And if you do, you'll have no problem talking about Him. I'm excited when my kids get older, they're going to have dating relationships. It makes me nervous. Maybe I want to punch the kids. I don't know. Like, I pray for my daughters. I pray for my son. And like, I'm excited that when they find somebody, I fully expect them to talk about their, 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 their mate. Like, I expect them to get excited about, hey, I found the guy of my life. I found the woman of my dreams. Like, I, I expect them to talk about this. Why? Because it's in their heart. If you have a relationship with Yeshua, if you have a relationship with Jesus, I don't understand why it wouldn't come out unless it's not there. You can say, well, man, that's pretty drastic. <laughs> this is what the scripture says. From his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. If you've been changed by the gospel, you cannot stay quiet about him. The tongue could radically change the universe if we actually realized what's in our heart. And I think for me, all of this is that the Lord is looking in verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere and he's observing the wicked and the good. He wants to see what's in your heart so that you would release something. That is, it goes back to verse 1. That would be in verse 2, actually. That would be attractive to somebody saying, man, that's what I want. I want what you have. Your neighbor should say, I want what you have. The other religions should say, I want what you have. But they'll never know unless you release the good news. All throughout the Psalms, Zechariah and Job, God is watching. His eyes are on his people. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? In fact, verse four, you guys, why is this so important? Because it says in verse four, the tongue that heals is a tree of life. But a devious tongue breaks the spirit. In other words, a soft answer, just like in verse one, is a soothing tongue and it brings the tree of life. And then there's the hurtful word in verse one. And it's it has a crooked dealing, as Nelson says, and it it breaks the spirit. This image of tree of life, I I go back to, to the garden. Go back to the garden in Genesis 3. Kevin, you'll go there. Genesis 3, 23 through 24. 
Genesis 3.23, So the Lord sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Verse 24, He drove man out and east of the Garden of Eden. He stationed cherubim with a flaming, whirling, whirling sword to guard the way to the tree of life. It's kind of an image right away. The tongue is what heals, uh, is a tree of life. Like, how do I put it? It takes us back to the original. When you release a good word, when you release the gospel, when you release the scriptures, when you release truth, it takes you back to how God originally designed us. But when you give in to a devious tongue or you know, a spirit that's not of him, it, it breaks the spirit that God originally intended. And so here you have these first four verses. Um, like, uh, it, the, this all flows, right? This all flows. And then, and then in some sense, it's kind of like you just do this. Solomon's like, okay, now I'm going to teach you about this. Rich, I was talking to your wife, Shelly, outside just before we started this. And she's like, you know, really Proverbs is really like talking to your kids. You say one thing and the next thing you're like, on to the next thing. <laughs> and then you're on to the next thing. And it's so true. Like I could be pouring my heart out to my little daughter, Selah. And then Jude's like, hey, let's go play ball. All right. This is how you throw the ball. You're like, what? It's so random. And that's what we have in verse five. A fool despises his father's discipline. But a person who accepts correction is sensible. Now, here's the only way I'll, I'll make this tie in here is, you know, when it says a person who accepts correction is sensible, to me, this goes back almost to verse two, almost. I don't want to make a drastic tie in, but the tongue of the wise makes knowledge of tra- attractive. Like when you release something in, in how you say it, not in what you say, but in how you say it in verse, uh, verse five, they might actually receive what you're saying. Like, okay, Tom, let's use your illustration of brushing teeth. You're on your seventh time telling your kids to brush your teeth. Mine might be nine times. In my heart, you know what I should be doing? Tom, I have no idea if you do this. I don't. Hey, you know what, Jude? I know you don't want to brush your teeth. Come on, I'll go help you. But you know what I do say? Go brush your teeth so I can sit here and not have to get up. A fool despises his father's discipline. I'm going to say maybe in, in how he says it. The guy's not going to receive what he's saying. But a person who accepts correction is sensible. It, can I say that 100%? No. But I just think based on the first four verses, it has something to do with our tone. Something to do with how we've been speaking into people. And then it says in verse 6, <laughs> ah, new topic. The house of the righteous has great wealth, but trouble accompanies the income of the wicked. So we've gotten into, in, into speech and tongue. And then all of a sudden we've got into a little bit of discipline, people receiving that, maybe how you've said it. But now let's talk about, as my kids say, some dodo. Let's talk about some money. The house of the righteous has great wealth, but trouble accompanies the income of the wicked. Here, here's where I want to go with this. I have been into some, I don't know how to put this, drug homes over the years of sharing the gospel, even in specifically in Dallas. And like, it's like people who make money off of dealing drugs. I just went drastic, okay? Maybe there's embezzlement in, in a business that looks just great, but trouble will always follow the income when you've done it with wickedness, always. You hang around this crowd when you're trying to make some money that's illegal, I promise you it will catch up 
We've had stories, you guys, of years later, somebody that's done something illegal. And then in that, they've been talking about this story to somebody. And then that person ratted them out to the police. And then what do you know? They got caught a couple years later. I mean, what's happening all over the news? I mean, how about how about this one? Man, this is the crazy one. How about the, you know, the 40 to 50 families that help bribe and pay for their kids to get in certain elite colleges? Trouble will always follow the income of the wicked. Am I saying those people are wicked? No, but their actions sure are. I think God can always redeem any person or any situation. But I just want to tell you, just when you think you can get away with something, uh, you'll get caught. It's interesting that Solomon's writing, you know, you look at the end of his life and what happened. Yeah, Solomon's no peach, man. I wonder, (laughs) these were good moments of Solomon's life. So we've been talking about your tongue and your heart. We've been talking about a little bit of discipline, a little bit. Then we're talking about, you know, about this wealth. And like with one house, you know, here you have the righteous have great wealth, but the trouble is going to follow the wicked. And then you get into verse seven. Hey, now we're back. We're back. The lips of the wise broadcast knowledge, but not so the heart of fools. Well, in some regards, Kevin, it feels like we're quoting verse two again. If, uh, Proverbs 15, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive. Okay, so now let's go to verse 7. The lips of the wise broadcast knowledge. <clears throat> when I hear this, though, when I hear the word broadcast, I, I tend to think naturally, oh, that this is an arrogant person. This is not an arrogant person because I hate when people tell you how much they know. Have you been in a room and you're like, just shut up. You're like, I don't need to know how much you've studied. I don't need to know all of your stats. Like, I don't care. And it's not a lack of love. It's just, you just want to, the lips of the wise aren't going to do that. So when you hear the word broadcast, like to me, it's making known what needs to be known at the right time with the right tone. The lips of the, the lips, the lips of the wise. Just so you know, people aren't watching this. They're like, what happened to him? But not so the heart of the fools. The heart of the fools will broadcast whatever they know to anybody, however they can be heard. (laughs) Have I told you about the naked cowboy? (laughs) You guys, I'm in Florida. Okay, you know the naked cowboy, right? The guy in New York City, right? Where's the underwear, cowboy boots, the cowboy hat? He was in Sarasota, Florida, in the parking lot. With his guitar, and he walks right up to me. He goes, hey, man, want a picture? <laughs> and all my kids are like, oh, why is that guy only wearing underwear? And then, of course, you know what my kids do? He has a tattoo about Jesus on his, hey, you love Jesus. What do you think he does? Starts playing some praise songs in the parking lot. This is the naked cowboy. But, like, of course, my kids are going to be like, hey, tell me about that tattoo. I would have just been like, shh. We don't need to hear the naked cowboy sing right now. I just want to know, did you get a picture? No, I didn't get a picture because I was afraid of what my kids were going to keep saying. Ah, Let's just put it this way. The underwear, way too see-through. All right. So like I just needed to distance myself as much as I could. Great heart, great guy. Hey, look, but my kids were like, hey, tell me more. (laughs) But I was trying to like broadcast knowledge and not so much. 
you know, I love life. And I really believe Solomon is trying to teach his kids, pass this down. Hey, this is how you would interact with the naked cowboys. Like, this is how you would not say things, or this is how you would say things. <laughs> I don't see, I don't see the, any giggling in the painting going on. Well, there would be if they ran into this guy. So look, Solomon's a fun guy. This is, this is a collection of Solomon's Proverbs. And here you have Proverbs 15. Man, I didn't even get to the parenting section. Man, what are we we kind of did. <laughs> kind of. All right, guys, bless you. I'm excited for tomorrow because these are, you, here's what I will tell you about Proverbs. They're practical daily nuggets that come from the Lord. And if we can take these truths and actually apply them as we interact with people, this works. So bless you and have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.